0: Before dinner, and um, we are going to shift gears a little bit to, we have the next two outlines are really one, uh, one continuous outline, so we'll, we'll begin it here in this session and finish it up tonight, and I'd also like to tell you where this comes from. In the life study of Exodus, <clears throat> there's a couple of messages on this subject: the life useful to God for the fulfillment of His purpose, and those messages are very, very particular because they, well, you'll see as we get into it. They, they, they talk about the significance of the female life in relation to the fulfillment of God's purpose. That's, wow, I was there as a young person sitting in those meetings on the life study of Exodus. I had just no idea what he was talking about, the female life. And then he said, we all need to have the female life. I, I, I didn't get it. But today, I, I understand, and that's what we're going to talk about in this outline and the next one. You know the story in Exodus chapter 2. Um, how about if I just read a couple of the verses there to remind us of that story, and then we can get into the points. It's a it's an extraordinary story. Um A man of the house of Levi went and took a daughter of Levi as wife. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him a papyrus basket and plastered it with tar and pitch. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. And his sister stood at a distance to find out what would happen to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her maidens walked alongside the river. And she saw the basket in the midst of the reeds and sent her female servant. And she brought it to her. And she opened it and saw the child, and there was the boy crying. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women for you, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the girl went and called the child's mother. In these eight verses, what's the emphasis Female life, one after another, after another, after another. Everybody's a female except Moses. <laughs> so the emphasis here is, what's the what's the role of the female life in the fulfillment of God's purpose? Well, at that time. Uh, this is the old testament so we're talking about the typology yesterday when we talked about the new testament we said that mary symbolizing the the sister's function was to bring forth christ to bring forth christ here in the type god needed a savior for his people his people were enslaved In Egypt under Pharaoh he needed a Savior that Savior was going to be a male Moses but everything related to Moses depended on the female life that's that's the story here so we can read the outline and say a little bit we'll have plenty of time the life useful to God for the fulfillment of his purpose In Exodus chapter 2, God prepared a Savior to deliver his people from Egypt through the female life. So the Savior was male, but the preparation of the Savior was through the female life. In chapter 1 of Exodus, Pharaoh held the children of Israel in slavery and also sought to kill all the baby boys born to Hebrew mothers why didn't Pharaoh kill the girls why did he kill the boys why do you think well the boys were the real threat to Pharaoh and if they could kill all the boys then the Hebrew females would all be forced to marry Egyptians So that's Satan's strategy, even in the church life today. Kill the boys with spiritual death. Kill them in their pursuit of Christ and their practice of the church life. Then there won't be proper husbands for the sisters. That's, believe me, that is a particular attack on the church life today and That's the reason why we have more sisters than brothers. That's the reason why in the full-time training we have more sisters than brothers. Satan attacks the boys. Not that he doesn't attack the girls. He does. But his strategy is kill the boys. The male life signifies the life for the fulfillment of God's purpose. And the female life signifies the life for man's pleasure. Don't misunderstand this. We're talking spiritually right now. In times of crisis, God uses the female life for the fulfillment of his purpose. He uses the female life to maintain the male life for his purpose. Really true. God sovereignly used Pharaoh's own daughter. Can you believe that? If such a story was not in the Bible, you just could never imagine it. God used Pharaoh's own daughter to preserve the most important male born to the children of Israel in Egypt. Just amazing. Why? It was a time of crisis. That was, that was what God needed at that time. Now, here's an interesting point. All the believers in Christ, both brothers and sisters, should be females in the eyes of God, those with a dependent life, a life utterly dependent on God. That's the spiritual significance of the female life. You could say that the human type of that is that the human life, in in the human life, to a certain extent, the, the female life is dependent upon the male life. Eve came out of Adam. There There is a kind of dependent life there. But this, the real, we don't even need to talk about that, the real significance of that the spiritual significance is that in the universe there's only one male that's Christ. Everyone else is we're all dependent on him. We we have a dependent life. We do not have an independent life. That's the mistake Eve made. It's why she was deceived by the serpent. She acted independently. Another way she could have answered the serpent that would have been very good when the serpent said did God really say that she could have said hang on a minute snake you need to talk to my husband he knows but she didn't she acted independently of Adam and that's what got her into trouble well that's a a picture in our Christian life that's what we do when the devil comes, you need to tell him, Devil, you need to talk to my husband, Christ. Don't talk to me. I depend on him. He'll give you my answer. Several females were used by God in this chapter. The first being... <laughs> yeah, we read it. It's So interesting. The first female was Moses' actual mother, a daughter of Levi, who hid him among the reeds. Although Numbers 26 tells us the name of Moses' mother. Her name was Jochebed. Numbers 2 doesn't tell us her name. Why? Because the emphasis in Exodus chapter 2 is not on the person, it's on the life. It's on the female life. What those first eight verses of Exodus 2 impress us with is, So many females are used by God to bring forth the Savior who was Moses. The second female was Miriam, the sister of Moses. Her name is not mentioned in Exodus 2, but we know who Moses' sister was. She was Miriam. And she suggested to Pharaoh's daughter that his mother be asked to nurse him. Wow, that's so good. Oh, yeah, Pharaoh's daughter. I have a great idea. Let's go get his mother to nurse him. She says, sure, good idea. Why Why was that important? Now she can really fulfill her function as Moses' mother to raise him up. He's going to be raised up in Pharaoh's palace. But guess who's going to nurse him? His real mother, a Hebrew. Wonderful. Then the female, then, then Pharaoh's daughter sends another female, a female slave. Uh, the female slave of Pharaoh's daughter was sent by her to fetch the ark. Then Acts 7.21 uh, says that Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nurtured him as her own son. So, you know, to some degree, we must say, Pharaoh's daughter was used by the Lord. During certain critical times, the only life that can be used by God is the female life which stands with God and is dependent upon him. We are living in such a critical time a time when the female life is urgently needed. Anyone who presumes to be a male will become a pharaoh. That's the male life that is independent of God and not useful to God. I think we're starting to get the burden of this, uh, this, this story in Exodus. Um, God's economy on the earth at that time was to rescue his chosen people out of the bondage of the world. And they had been in bondage 400 years. Um, terrible situation. And God needed to raise up Moses. Well, there's only one way to get a Moses. We need a mother. So a, a mother of the tribe of Levi had this son, who was destined to be the Savior of Israel. But the enemy came in to fight very much against this particular... Why this one? Does that remind you of something in the New Testament? When a baby was born? Yeah. Herod. Kill all the boys. All the baby boys. It's a picture. It's, a, it's an exact picture of what happened when the Lord Jesus was born. And then the Lord had to use the female life to protect the Lord Jesus so that he could be brought into humanity to, to accomplish our redemption. It, it was the almost identical situation here with uh, Moses. So the the significance of the female life is that it depends on God. Later on, Moses made a big mistake. He found out that the Lord did in fact intend to use him to save God's people, but he acted independently. He saw an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, and he killed the Egyptian. Well, the Lord never told him to kill the Egyptian. And he hid him in the sand. What, what was that? That's the male life. That's the male life, acting independently of God, doing something for God without God. That's one definition of religion. Religion is for us to do something for God without Christ. That's religion. But in this context, let's say, that's the male life. The male life, it's not necessarily to do something evil. You might do something for God, but your act for God is done without Christ. So it's not useful for God's economy. It's not useful for the building up of the church. That's why we said we all need to be in resurrection, right? in our, all our relationships, our m- uh, marriage relationship, our family relationship, and our church relationships. We call each other brother and sister. Actually, I'm not related to anyone in New Zealand in the human life, but all of you are my sisters and I have a few brothers here too, it's in resurrection. It's in resurrection that these are my brothers. It's in resurrection that you are my sisters. We need to live in resurrection. And that means in this message not to live an independent life. We live a dependent life. It's exactly the problem that, as I said, that got Eve into trouble. The independent life is signified by the tree of knowledge. The dependent life is signified by the tree of life. You know, knowledge makes you independent. As soon as you know what to do, you don't need anybody else. I know how to do it. I know what to do. I know how to do it. I don't need you. I can do it. That was the temptation of the serpent with Eve. When he came to her, he said, you know, God knows that if you eat the tree of knowledge, you'll be like him. You'll know good and evil. It sounds so good. Hey, I want to be like God. Really? If I eat the tree of knowledge, I'll be like God? Well, no, that was the lie. It wasn't a lie that they would know good and evil it was a lie that they would be like God so it took in the thought of Satan now they know good and evil now they don't need God I know what's good I know what's evil I don't need God anymore that's the principle of the tree of knowledge is that it makes us independent of God and I would say it's the principle of religion religion teaches us how to live a good life without God without Christ and the tree of life tells us the exact opposite the tree of life tells us you need the supply of life every moment of every day for your whole life that's And no amount of teaching will replace that. And no amount of knowledge will replace that. You can know the whole Bible and all of the ministry. You still will need the tree of life every moment of every day for your entire life. That's the tree of life. That's the dependent life. That's, it's like breathing. We human beings are really, really dependent, aren't we? I mean, we need this air all the time. You take it away for a very short time, we're in trouble. And we need food. We need water. We need a constant supply for our human life or we'll die. That's a picture. The spiritual life is even more dependent. And in the human life, we need the marriage relationship, because we don't do well by ourselves. We actually are all dependent. That's also a picture. We need God. We need God as the real male. We all need him to be our husband, and we all need the tree of life to be our supply. That's the female life. That's the dependent life. That's the life that God can use. God can't use the strong ones. If you can kill the Egyptians by yourself, God can't use you. In fact, because of that, God did not use Moses for 40 years. And what did Moses learn in those 40 years? Depend on God. Depend on the tree of life. Uh, Don't do it in your natural strength. You know, Moses was 40 years old when he killed the Egyptian. God didn't actually use him to save Israel till he was 80. If I were Moses, I'd say, what are you doing? I'm 80 years old. I can't do anything now. God would say, no, now is the time I can use you. Because now you're dependent. I couldn't use you before because you were independent. But now that you are dependent, I can use you. I was watching all of you come up to speak at the microphone, and I treasured these testimonies of the older sisters telling us the story of their spiritual mother, and now they are the age uh, that their spiritual mother was. Wow. You know what? We're all just getting to the point where we're useful. <laughs> you know, Brother Lee said this about everybody. He said, by the time you get to 60, you start being useful. Because it takes so long to build up this kind of life, dependent life on the Lord. All of us go through the same experience in our Christian life. We all try to do something for God. We all try to act in ourselves to do something for the Lord, for the gospel, for the church. Then we all learn the hard way. God can't use that. And then we go to the backside of the wilderness for 40 years to tend to some sheep. I guess New Zealand is the backside of the wilderness. We don't have any sheep in America. Maybe that's why I'm here. I just received a new revelation. That's that's what I'm doing in New Zealand. I'm I'm in the wilderness to learn how to shepherd the sheep. Learn how to... 40 years. Oh, 40 years. And learn not to depend on myself and learn not to use my own resources. For God that's what that's what Moses was learning so when the ministry says we all need to be females that's what it means we all need to depend on the Lord and depending on the Lord is eating the tree of life every day that's what it is did you eat the tree of life today well that means you're depending on the Lord right now you're living because of him If we eat him, we live because of him. You know the very, 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 very best picture of a dependent life? It's the God-man living of the Lord Jesus. He was 100% dependent on God the Father. 100%. So he could say, I don't speak anything. Every word you hear me speak, it's my father's. I don't do anything. Every work you see me do, it's the Father's. I don't do anything. I live because of the Father. My entire life, my existence depends on the Father, and everything I do depends on the Father, and everything I say depends on the Father. How beautiful. No wonder his life is the most useful life. He was the most dependent one. We would never think so. We would think Jesus is Superman. Independent. Do everything. God-man is here. Not Superman. God-man. No. Dependent man is here. A man who can do nothing is here. That's our superhero. <laughs> he depends on God for everything. Everything. That's the picture that that that's the life we want to learn to live okay we're on Roman numeral three in Exodus chapter 2 God used a number of females to accomplish his purpose of preparing a savior the first the mother of Moses she gave birth to him and nursed him that was the first stage of the preparation The sister of Moses watched over him when he was in the ark and served as a connecting link between Pharaoh's daughter and Moses' mother. The female slave of Pharaoh's daughter fetched the ark. Pharaoh's daughter raised Moses as her own son. She was probably the one through whom, here's the quote from Acts 7, Moses learned all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Who else would have taught him? You know, Moses did not attend the University of Cairo. They didn't have one. Where did he learn the wisdom of the Egyptians? Probably from Pharaoh's daughter. You know, that's what... That's where kids learn almost everything. I mean, they learn things at school, but they're mostly the wrong things. Where they learn all the right things are from their mother and their dad at home. I, t- I told you, I, I had to, I had to, I had to begin telling my children in kindergarten the stuff you hear at school is wrong. Cause they started hearing wrong things in kindergarten. You think first grade was better? No, first grade was worse. By the time my daughters were in intermediate school, one day my daughter came home and she told me that her teacher, who was a man, was married to a man in intermediate school. She said, Dad, do men marry men? I said, No. She said, But my teacher is married to a man. I said, no, he's not. She said, he is. He said he is. I said, that's not a marriage. Men cannot marry men. I said, what if he told you he was married to a dog? Would you believe that? You wouldn't believe it because men don't marry dogs. I said, no, he's not married. He said, but he said he was married. I said, he's not married. Only a woman can marry a man. A man cannot marry a man sixth grade I had to start to tell my daughter this I told you even in kindergarten she came home with the book Sally has two mommies see everything that is taught in this age is to turn upside down the family the marriage the genders and what's behind it an attack on god's purpose you know why satan wants men to act like women so that the life useful to god for his purpose is useless that's what's behind this believe me it's not and we're not we're not social reformers we don't care anything about that society has no hope until the kingdom comes we, we don't reform society we live in this society for the fulfillment of God's purpose that's what we're doing here when the Lord came in his first coming he didn't run for office he didn't run for mayor of Jerusalem mm-hmm. he didn't say hey I'm gonna fix this mess here we got to abolish slavery we got all kinds of social problems vote for Jesus no. In fact, he didn't do anything to address the social problems. His, his coming was not to reform society. It was to bring God to man. Amen. But listen, in his second coming, he'll take care of all of this. All of this confusion. All of this lie of the evil one. He will address it. He'll come as the, the stone cut out without hands to smite all of the human governments that pass evil laws. You know, in Life Study of Daniel, it tells us there that great human image in Daniel chapter two represents the totality of human government throughout all of the world empires. And when the stone comes, it smashes that image and then that stone becomes a mountain that fills the entire earth. There in the life study of Daniel it tells us all human governments, all of them, do three things. They exalt man, they worship idols, and they oppose God. Everyone including the good old U.S. of A opposes god it worships idols it exalts man sorry so does the government of new zealand so does every human government so that's why we don't run for office do not run for prime minister of new zealand spend all of your time preaching the gospel and shepherding people you'll accomplish much more because even if you're prime minister you're not going to build a change this age it's not our way not in this age our way in this age we're bringing in the king we're bringing in Moses we're going to bring in another age that's how we're going to change everything he'll change every last one of those laws isn't that wonderful and then we'll have righteousness right now we will not have it You know, it says, in the new heaven and the new earth, righteousness dwells. (laughs) In the old heaven and the old earth, there's no righteousness. And we aren't going to be able to bring it in unless we bring in Christ. That's our job. Okay. Where are we? The wisdom of the Egyptians. Today, we also need all the functions of the female life. We need the conceiving, bearing, and nursing function. We need the function of watching, recommending, and establishing the proper connections. We need the function of helping and serving. And we need the function of raising, teaching, and training. Here's this word training again that we had in Titus chapter 2. And who trained Moses? It sure seems like it was Pharaoh's daughter. I think so. She's the one who taught him. She's the one who trained him. He lived in the palace with her. Who trained Timothy? His grandmother, Lois. And his mother, Eunice. Where were dad and grandpa? Probably at work. That's my guess. You say, no, the Apostle Paul trained Timothy. No, he didn't. The Apostle Paul perfected Timothy, but he was trained by his grandmother and his mother. So that's a function that the sisters provide. Now, you see, I'm not a teacher. Yeah, actually you are. Yeah, you you may not teach in the sense that the brothers teach, but actually what you (coughs) teach is more important. You're the ones who tell your child, no, Sally does not have two mommies. No, men do not marry men. Somebody has to teach that. Who's teaching that? They never hear that at school. You know, all the way, this never stops. From kindergarten through university, it never stops. I had a, I studied business and accounting. I had an economics professor at the university. He was, humanly speaking, he was a brilliant man. He was on President Nixon's Council of Economic Advisors. He was smart. But he he was an awful person and he hated christians and he taught he taught economics but every chance he got in the economics class he would say something evil about god and the thing he liked to say the most over and over and over and over he would say god whoever she is man I got provoked I was a young believer I went to him one day I said I said this is this a publicly funded university this is an economics class it's not a philosophy class or a religious class I said you can't say that he said try and stop me I said I'm going to I'm gonna go talk to the administration and I did you can imagine what happened, nothing. Because <laughs> the administration agrees with him. The whole age agrees with him. So it never stops. This attack on the mind. It never stops. From the time the children are in kindergarten through the university, it's constant barrage of lies designed to do what? Reverse the proper function of males and females reverse The proper marriages and families so that man is not useful for God's purpose That's the goal Satan didn't care about marriage. He didn't care about families. He wants to frustrate God's purpose So that's what he's doing in the educational system And listen, it's very difficult for the church to do this job. Some some parents say, well, the church should help my children have the proper understanding. Well, we don't see your kids that often. You're with them every day, 24 hours a day. We get them for one hour on Lord's Day morning. What can we do? Even when they get older, we... We, we occasionally can take them away to a camp like Camp Otaki. We still only can have them for a couple of days to try to get their mind a little bit renewed. Most of that job has got to be done by you. You have to realize that who who else is going to do it? Mostly it's going to be you, and mostly it's going to be the mothers. I hope you have a husband who will help you in that regard. I really hope so. But you also need to do it. Through these four kinds of female life, Moses was born, raised, and trained for God's purpose. God even used the secular training that Moses received for his purpose. That's sovereign, isn't it? And I would say that's Nearly always the case with our children as well. Even their secular education becomes something useful for God's purpose. For the carrying out of his economy today, the Lord needs these four kinds of female life. Have you got it? So what kind of life can God use to fulfill his purpose? Mainly... Mainly, it's the male life, but because the male life, which is for God's purpose, tends to be independent of God, he needs the female life. He needs the life that is dependent on God, so all of us, male or female, need to live the dependent life, a kind of life Jesus, the God-man, lived, that's a dependent life, And the kind of life Paul lived. Paul didn't live an independent life. He lived a total... Listen, Paul takes it to another level. Not only does he depend completely on Christ, he also depends completely on the body of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? He says, for me to live is Christ. But he also says... I need your petition that I could receive the bountiful supply of the Spirit through the body otherwise I won't be able to live and magnify Christ while I'm in prison in Philippi if I had written the book of Philippians or if you had written the book of Philippians Philippians 1 1 would say get me out of prison. I'm in prison here. Get me out. Or if we wanted to be a little more spiritual, we would say, pray for me that I will be released from prison. Not Paul. Paul says, pray for me that while I'm in prison, I'll receive the bountiful supply of the Spirit which is in the body that I might live and magnify Christ in prison. What a dependent life. He depended on the Lord for his living and he depends on the body for his living. That's a life God can use. That's the life we all need to have, brothers or sisters. I'm really talking to myself in this message. I need this. We all need this. May the Lord make us those who live by the tree of life. How are we going to do that? every day we need to eat the Lord this is the practical application if we say we're going to have a dependent life if we say we're not going to live by our own life or serve by our own life or Shepherd by our own life there's only one way that can happen every day we need to spend some amount of time to eat the Lord it's the only way it can happen If we eat him, we will live because of him. If we don't, we will live because of ourselves. Those are our two options. Oh, may the Lord be merciful to us and remind us, we need him. We need him like we need air. We need him like we need water. We need him like we need food. And we need him every day for our whole life. We are dependent people. Okay, good. We finished early. We have time for lots of sharing. I really, I've really, I seriously mean it. I've really gotten a lot of help from your testimonies. I, I, I want to hear some more, and then you'll hear some more from me later. Let's pray for a moment while the brothers bring out the microphones. Thank you. The male life
1: signifies the life for the fulfilling of God's purpose. I'm a man. (laughs) I'm the meaning of the universe. Uh, Praise the Lord. And then C says the female life is to maintain the male life for his purpose. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. So it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful we have this uh, weekend where we're covering these matters because like many have testified, there's so much confusion. I just cannot believe how dumb it would be to try to change your gender. Just, you know, that is, that is so strange. And that's becoming norm, uh, making it law, and, and it's ridiculous. So we have to be clear who we are, right? I'm a man in God's purpose. What are you? What are you? You're a female supporting that, that God can have his expression, that God can have his interest. Isn't it interesting when when the triune God was conferring in Genesis, he said, let us make man in our image. And then it says, and he made them male and female. So we're all for God's purpose But our functions Are different And, and that's why you know, Even though you know, the modern man The world is trying to turn into a woman We don't do that We don't do that We let a man be a man I saw something Where this, uh, this uh, person Is on a crusade To, to feminize children Male children Yeah to stop them being aggressive, to make them more compassionate. That's ridiculous. And men have to be aggressive, have to beat up anybody comes to mess with their wife. You know, (laughs) they they, they have to be strong. They have to protect the family. (laughs) So, but the the world just makes it all all so crazy. So we have to be clear. We have to be clear who we are. And that's why, you know, my wife, she composed a song, you know, became top of the pops. You heard that one? (laughs) Do you know that one? No. Oh, Apolline, stand up and sing it. <laughs> don't, don't say no. Support the male life.
2: <laughs> Rachel
1: will sing it with you. Okay, you got some supporters here. Away you go. The next verse, the next verse, the next verse, the next verse. Sing it to the brothers. I need to
2: be a I want to be a Yes, the boy, yes, the boy, yes, the, the boy. Okay.
1: So you have to teach that to the children. Get them to sing to one another. And uh, I've been trying to make up one about a man. Because I want all the brothers to sing it. I'm a man. I'm for God's purpose. And when I'm in the meeting, I come to the front row. And I bear the burden. And I pray. And I speak for the Lord. I don't sit on the back row with the baby. right Amen. okay praise the lord Amen. so let's enjoy who we are Amen. not try to be somebody else Amen. and uh okay sisters remember this section go down those stairs to the downstairs dining room this section go down there and that section go across to t-block for the dinner